the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 6.08. On this Monday edition of Lifeline, we are in our second hour. We are talking with Scott Fleming and Scott Allen on the topic of critical race theory, uh, social justice, and its warriors. And I just want to frame the um, statement that that Scott Fleming made, Pastor Scott, no, uh, Scott uh, Scott Allen made about the observation of the um, Yale uh, professor being scolded publicly on the school grounds by um, a, a, a band of students uh, who challenged him and rebuked him and opposed him. Uh, it really scandalously, that optic ran everywhere on social media, obviously, and definitely on YouTube. It can easily be found simply because of his uh, assessment of the Halloween situation, wherein he was really just asking the students to be uh, careful and thoughtful about about the Halloween event to actually avoid the controversy that he got into that you guys, you both know is a method and tactic of the social justice warriors to problematize uh, any kind of opposition to their sensibilities or their views or their ideological position. They are called to challenge their professors. They are called to, um, harass them. They are called to um, uh, uh, irreverently, uh, disrespectfully, uh, um, almost provocatively uh, get in their face and, 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 and as it were, um, belittle them and, and deconstruct them uh, before all, as if the, the professor, uh, this happened to Jordan Peterson, Jordan B. Peterson, and many others, as you guys know, it happened to the Weinsteins. Our audience knows about them. I've talked about Brett and Heather for years when they were at um, uh, Evergreen University, where that whole thing melted down. All of these are tactics by these social justice warriors to um, intimidate and get the authorities in those systems to back down and submit to these new policies and uh, we can go at length into it. But what I want to ask e- both of you guys to do is just, you know, where did this start? Let me start with, um, with with Scott Allen. Allen, where did this where did this movement start? If you would frame it and bring us up to where we are today in terms of its ideological roots. Well, that's what I set out to find, and, uh, you know, I think what I found did surprise me a little bit as I did my research. I was able to trace back um, a lot of the ideas, especially the way that uh, this new ideology frames everything in terms of uh, two categories of people, uh, oppressors and oppressed. There's nothing in between those categories. You're one one or the other. And the way that it puts you into groups, and the group that you're in 
defines you. That's all that's important to know about you is what group, what group affiliation you belong to. A lot of these ideas can be traced back to Karl Marx, and he was part of a milieu in the 1850s that included Darwin and Freud, and a little bit later, uh, postmodern theorists like uh, Foucault in France, who, uh, these were atheists, and uh, if there is no God, you know, there is no truth, objective truth, there's no objective morality, and everything boils down to power. And so I saw those threads carrying through all the way until today. I think for me personally, Pastor Jesse, what surprised me is that I went to college in Oregon at a very uh, progressive university, liberal arts college, and I was exposed to Marxist thinking from my professors in the 1980s um, to the point where I was actually, I, I was sympathetic, you know, I, I, <laughs> with, uh, right. with that kind of worldview even back in the 80s. Right. But then I traveled overseas, I worked with the poor, and I saw how destructive this Marxist idea was, because it just divided people, and it um, made people, especially the poor, feel like there was nothing that they could do to overcome their poverty. They were victims of other people. Other people needed to solve their problems. It was such a destructive ideology. At the same time, the Berlin Wall had fallen, and I really thought that this whole ideology was on the trash heap of history, more or less. What I didn't realize until recently was I was really wrong, that that this ideology, as you were mentioning earlier, had continued to just make incredible progress in the United States through our university system, which I had, you know, experienced in the 1980s, but then... Uh, you know, now uh, it's infiltrated uh, virtually every, you know, area of kind of the cultural heights, entertainment, arts, government, you name it, big business. And I feel like what happened with the riots of 2020 is that all those undercurrents that were kind of invisible in some ways, they it was like an earthquake. Those, those uh, faults, they hit the surface and a huge earthquake happened. And now we're all looking at this going, what in the world is going on? Well, it's, it's as you said, it's been percolating for, I mean, you know, more than 100 years. And, um, you know, I'll just say one more thing and I'll be done. But uh, I think what I learned, too, is that uh, historically Marxism didn't take root in the United States because Marx himself wanted to foment uh, the Marxist revolution along the axes of, um, kind of workers and cap, you know, property owners, and that access wasn't very fruitful in the United States because people would come here as immigrants and they would kind of live the American dream and rise out of poverty, and there was a lot of movement socially. And so, very cleverly, they chose another axis of division, which was, you know, much more fruitful in the United States, and that's between whites and blacks because of our history of slavery. Yeah. And they were able to leverage that incredibly effectively. And uh, we're, we're kind of in the late stages of that right now. But, uh, but I am alarmed and concerned because these are deadly ideas. They're, they're incredibly destructive. They'll ruin us as a people. Yes. It'll lead to bloodshed. Yes. And we, you know, the hour is getting a bit late. You know, I don't think it's too late. That they've been allowed to metastasize now for a long time. So, yeah, there are two problems here. I'm going to take a break here in a second, and then we will come back. I want Pastor Flemings to chime in, and uh, if, I, 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 I thank you guys for your patience. The audience is actually getting some affirmation and 
uh, a bit more insight into the history of it. Um, two things I want to say about it uh, that is problematic. It's the nature of its growth and ubiquitous uh, uh, presence, the nature of the growth of uh, uh, critical race theory across all these institutions, particularly our school, our media, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and also our churches. I'm going to talk about that when we come back from the break. You can find that the churches that were poised to lean into liberation theology which is an off branch of Marxism as well, where it was taking on a social gospel uh, paradigm uh, is is at the roots of the silence in our churches around this uh, and, and, and why there is such an easily toppling over of many of our evangelical and Protestant churches. And of course, the Catholic Church is just completely uh, permeated with it uh, as well. Uh, through liberation theology, which again is a branch of of, of Marxist socialism. And uh, today, the silence, and this is the thing that we must call attention to, the silence is not the way to address this. The fear, the lack of willing to engage them and to uh, demonstrate that their arguments are flawed, and particularly within the ranks of Christendom, the, to allow it to continue is to uh, fundamentally allow, like you said, Scott, a destruction of Western civilization as we know it. And when we come back from the break, we want to talk about this uh, conflict theory that has moved from the proletariat and the bourgeoisie to now uh, uh, all things white, white being bad and black being good, or like you said, the oppressor oppressed narrative. We want to talk about why that is a false gospel, why it actually uh, usurps the place of the scriptures in relationship to what man really needs versus what this system is telling that telling mankind that it needs. And we want to actually uh, blow that trumpet and share that information to help people realize that you are not going to have a good outcome if this system has come into your home, if it's coming to your church, if it's coming to your business, if it's coming to your company by just being silent about it. It's not about toleration anymore. We're way past toleration. This is about revolution. It's about a complete takeover. Uh, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. going to take a break, pay some bills. When we come back, we will continue with yours truly on this edition of the Monday broadcast. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, we are at 622 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. And we have been talking now for the uh, essence of our program today around critical race theory. And um, I want to pick up with, with Pastor Fleming. Uh, uh, Pastor Scott, um, in terms of critical race theory, um, as as Alan has so clearly brought it up to where we are today, um, how how is it for you? What 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 is the uh, what is the moving factor for folks who live out where you live, um, uh, largely away from you know the city? I mean. Um, um, and, and, and how 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 imminent is this uh, for you that your congregation should know about it, should be introduced to the particulars and um, 
factors surrounding it. I'm very much aware that you you get it and understand it. I, I have a feeling that a lot of pastors know about what we're talking about. If you are somewhat educated uh, in terms of church history, uh, recent church history, American church history, and liberalism infiltrating our churches uh, about 100 years ago, and, um, and just what's been happening over the last several decades with regards to liberalism taking on the form of, uh, you know, a low view of scripture, compromising of essential doctrinal uh, tenets, and then the emergence of uh, race grievances, as uh, Scott Allen was saying, and to use that as a ploy now to continue to bring a wedge between uh, 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 colored people and and our Caucasian brethren, as if there aren't other ethnic groups with the same kind of uh, power dynamics or power differentiation struggles going on with them. Uh, wh- why is it important to you, and and how do you see how do you see this uh, how do you see this as a subject that needs to just be brought to the forefront? Well, <clears throat> thank you, Pastor Jesse. That's such a loaded question. Um, I would say maybe more than anything else, um, I see this movement of the critical theories as an attack against the church and the gospel and the scriptures and a a very intentional effort to undermine what we've held as evangelical Christians for, for centuries. And... As you said a moment ago, we're in Western PA. We are away from the city. Pittsburgh is an hour or so from where we are. And um, we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble. And some people are paying attention to what is going on. Others, not maybe as much. And um, I guess as a pastor, as you are, as a shepherd, my heart is, is for the flock, and I don't want them to be caught unawares. And we need, as Jesus said, to look at the signs of the times, and the signs are are showing, as Scott Allen said a little bit ago, they're they're showing things are going to get rather difficult. And so I want to uh, help inform the people here in our area. Um, I mentioned a little while ago that I've run into so many people that are just confused by it all. Right. And I think part of it is we're not in the middle of it right, right here. Like you may be in the Bay Area. Yes. Or Scott may be in Phoenix or in his global mi- mission. Uh, we're we're kind of off in a corner, so to speak. And so there, there's so much confusion and, and questions, and people are entertaining the critical thoughts and say, hey, can't we combine this with biblical truth and... So because of all that, that's why I want us to talk about it, and uh, hopefully it'll be an encouragement to people in our area and and elsewhere. We are going to be able to live stream. Uh, did we, you, did we get a chance to, um, do we, we get a chance to vet that and see if it worked for you guys this last Sunday? Well, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. The, they sent it to the wrong address, so... <laughs> So um, my uh, a young man at our church and I, we were working on it today, and we, we uh, got it to work. Good. And uh, we're going to do some more effort on that on Wednesday, uh, but I think it's going to work for us. Um, 
and uh, be able to live stream it to whoever would like to see it. And um, so we're, we're encouraged in that way. But uh, it's been one um, hurdle after another. <laughs> Listen, are you are you would you be able to because um, I'm going to get hundreds of people asking to watch that uh, conference and presentation? I'm, I'm more than positive of that. Is there a way that you can make sure that you can email me the uh, the live stream information so that I can get yep. it out to our audience so that they can participate on Saturday morning and, and give us the time that that's going to take place? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, you, first of all, you can go to rockyspringschurch.org. Right. That's rockyspringschurch.org. And there is a, a tab that is all about the conference, gives you all the information. And uh, my uh, the young man that I've been working with is going to give us that live stream link and so forth. Uh, but I'll also get that to you, Pastor Jesse. Uh, on Saturday... Uh, the conference itself will start at 9, and we'll have four sessions. And the first one will be about some of the history of the critical theories and the worldview aspect. And then the second one is going to be uh, more in particular about how it's impacting the Church and how we as Christians should respond to these, these theories and ideas. Um, and then we're going to have uh, a time where we all are going to uh, talk about how we can stand for what is true in light of everything that's happening. We'll have a Q&A session and uh, and so forth. There'll be a, uh, a catered lunch and, and so forth for those who are going to be able to come in person. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it with all the, the uh, struggles we've had and some of the cancel culture we've experienced. Uh, it's still moving forward, and we're very much looking forward to having us on Saturday and and meeting both of you in person. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that, too, as well as meeting you and and, and Scott uh, at that time. Um, and, and I'm sure uh, the nature of our, our, our Monday broadcast here, KFAX Lifeline, is that we can be heard online all over the world. We can be heard uh, on the radio all the way up to um, uh, to, 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 to Alaska and so um, the, the way the Lord works, it'll probably be a, a, a really good surprise in terms of people picking up on our conversation now, even knowing that uh, it's going to be in Rocky Springs, uh, Pennsylvania at rockyspringschurch.org. You guys can pick that up now, rockyspringschurch.org. You can uh, lock that in, get that information at Scott's Church, and uh, and then spread it abroad to everybody. I've got soldiers everywhere that are listening and they will spread it abroad and we will try to have a great conversation um on saturday i'm looking forward to it i want to ask uh i'm going to make a, a, a share a verse with us and then after the break and i'll just have you guys on for one more segment if you guys have the time i want scott allen to uh revisit the statement you made scott around our concern about words our concern about propositions, about how transformative um, ideas are. So this is the book of Revelation chapter 13. This is verse 5. I've been using this verse for decades, warning about the battle of words. As Satan parodies God, 
God is a God of words. He's a God of speech. He's a God of dialogue. He is the Logos. And uh, Satan certainly tries to usurp that uh, authority with the same modality that God does. And we are told, and there was given unto the beast a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. That's Revelation chapter 13, verse 5. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Scott, I want you to speak into that before I let you and Pastor Flemings go. We're going to take a break. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We will be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. We are indeed. The time is 6.36 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've had the pleasure now for almost an hour and a half to be talking with Scott Fleming, pastor of Rocky Springs Presbyterian Church in Pennsylvania. You guys already have been given the address to go and to um, connect with our conference coming this uh, Saturday, as well as Scott Allen, who uh, is part of a uh, DiscipleTheNations.org ministry. I want you guys to take that down and begin to peruse uh, his website and podcast. Beautiful episodes with some really, really gifted speakers. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I want you guys to tap into it as well and, and, and know that Scott is engaging in ministry uh, beyond the parameters of uh, our, our Western Hemisphere um, and and that's that's relevant too, Scott. What I want to ask you to do in relationship to the idea of words, is we know one of the tactics that's taking place that throws people off from being able to actually engage the social justice warrior, the woke folk, in an intelligent discourse, is the idea that they have taken on the uh, assumed right to redefine words and make words that have been conventionally used and understood one way to mean something else altogether. And so I, the, the word I want to raise up and have you to speak to first is the term postmodernism. If you'll just give a brief definition and, and uh, explanation as to how that plays a major role in how they frame their narrative, that'll be helpful for our audience. Sure. Well, I, you know, the simplest way that I, I have come across in terms of understanding postmodernism is to compare it and contrast it to modernism and then pre-modernism, if you will, around this one question, authority. In a pre-modern world, this would be, uh, you know, this would be going back to the time of kind of the ancient world, the time of the Bible, the Middle Ages. Um, uh, authority was vested in God and in His Word, okay? It was a, uh, a the pre-modern time was a time, the time of Christendom. It was a time when people believed in the Bible, the authority of the Bible, and the authority of God's Word. When you come into the modern era, uh, you know, starting in the 1700s and moving up to, you know, the 1900s, uh, the authority shifted um, from uh, it, it, as 
society began to secularize, authority shifted from uh, the Bible to science because uh, people began to disbelieve in God and, and believe that all that existed was matter, it was this material, physical world. And so science, then, was the one that had the authority to explain what was real. Uh, when you get to postmodernism, authority shifted again uh, away from science because uh, we don't even believe that science can tell us anything about what's true or what's real. And now authority rests with what some people call the sovereign autonomous self. We ourselves define what is real. Uh, so that, that, that is the, the essence of postmodernism. It, everything is radically relative to the individual. There is no objective truth, and even science can't tell us what's true. We, uh, the sovereign self, asserts truth, and it all, it all is a game of power then. Um, so it's who can wield power to define reality and enforce that definition on others. But, but you know, I should say a few things about words, maybe as well. You know, we, we, we use words all the time, but we just take them for granted. But I, I think it's really important that we don't. Words are at the foundation of, of virtually everything. Uh, words give rise to ideas, ideologies, and that's the, that's the foundation of, of culture and society. And, um, you know, God himself is a God who uses, as you just said, words and language. Uh, he spoke the universe into existence. Um, when Jesus uh, was introduced in the Gospel of John, he was introduced as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. So uh, and when he made us uh, people, human beings in his image, he gave us that same amazing capacity to speak and to use words uh, to create as well. We don't create out of nothing like God does, but we create cultures with our words. And then God's words in the Bible are the foundation for true, healthy, flourishing societies. Uh, God defines words. He defines what marriage means. He defines what justice is. He defines what freedom is. He defines what sex is, male and female. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he is the one who, his word is true. And so he has the authority to define the true meaning of words. In our postmodern age, uh, people don't believe that, so they use words as weapons. They redefine them in furtherance of promoting whatever their ideology is. So you see a lot of redefinitions right now. Um, marriage has been redefined. Justice has been redefined. And so for the Church, I think it's really vital, it's essential that Christians, followers of Jesus, understand the biblical definitions, the true definitions of these words, so that they can spot the counterfeits, if you will, um, and then defend those true definitions. Um, you know, we, we are kind of the custodians or the stewards of these powerful words that come to us through the Bible and build healthy, flourishing cultures. But they're under attack right now. They're being redefined, and I think a lot of Christians, sadly, are going along with the redefinitions. And <clears throat> I'm going to make one, one more observation in light of what you just said, Scott, and then I'm going to dismiss you, gentlemen. Um, quoting Revelation 13.5, that is a uh, specter that God gives us of the cosmic and spiritual battle that takes place on the earth uh, with Satan as the nemesine foe of God utilizing words to exercise 
if you will, a, a divine sovereignty over mankind, all who are under his spell, his control, his rule, his dominion. They listen to him. Like Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil and the works of your father you will do. <laughs> he that is of God heareth my words. And Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter eight, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, that's the word, and the testimony is the gospel, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. And you are precisely correct that we should be engaging in a word discourse with humanity, just as Jesus did, described by the book of the apocalypse as a sword protruding out of his mouth, to sever the light from the darkness, um, the wicked from the righteous, and to and to demonstrate the superiority of God's truth as both saving and damning, saving for those who bow under it, damning for those who do not submit to it, and uh, and the believer is God's mouthpiece. We are called to go into all the world with the gospel. Now, with the postmodern uh, rejection of reality. And therefore, the assumption that if you have the power, you can then frame reality out of your own imagination. This is what Socrates and Plato and Aristotle were dealing with. One of them stated, and I'm sure it was Plato now, um, he who shapes the narrative controls society. And that's the battle that we're fighting. And this is why this is such a serious issue, because... Men and women are being transformed into the image of this transhumanist agenda because the power behind it hates God. And as you said, Scott, the battle has been for a long time. Who is God? What is truth? You know, that was the fundamental uh, uh, conflict between Jesus and Pilate. When when Pilate said, what is truth? He was exercising yeah. a mode of um, postmodern relativism at that time, and he was looking at the truth in his face. And I think the church is in danger, gentlemen. I think it really is uh, in a lot of ways because it has failed to see the authority and sufficiency inerrancy and power of God's word to actually be the um, solution to what's going on. Um, let me uh, let me ask um, uh, Scott Fleming uh, to give me one last word before before I let you go. And then you also, um, uh, Scott Allen, uh, and, and I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me on the program. Uh, but we've got about a minute or two before the break. So if you guys can just share a word before I let you go, I'd, I'd appreciate that in our audience as well. Well, thank you, Pastor Jesse. Um, I, I just echo everything that's been said here. I um, just really pray the Lord will use this conference on Saturday to help people in our area here in Western PA and around around the country and even around the world as they listen to this. And we pray, just pray that the Lord will will raise up those in His church who will stand for what is true. We've had life so easy in our country for so many years, and it's now we're being forced to, to take a stand on these things, and, and I just pray the Lord will help us in this as we uh, talk about some of these things on Saturday. And thank you thank so much for being a part of this. Amen. Thank you very much. Scott Allen? 
Yeah, thanks, Pastor Jesse and Scott. It's Pastor Scott. Great to be with you. This is really an honor. I, I just want to encourage people, these dark clouds, this ideology, as I said, is very dangerous. It will destroy us if it's left unchecked. Um, it's time to take a stand. It's time for God's people to stand up to defend the truth. Um, and it's not too late, um, you know. I just want to encourage people by reminding them that uh, it's no accident that they're here at this time. Uh, God intended you to be where you're at at this time, in this place, and uh, we need each other to stand strong for the Word, strong for God, um, at this really vital hour for, for our nation and for the world. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. We will see you, Lord willing, in a few days. God bless you. We're going to take a brief break, and when I come back, I'll do some closing comments, as I generally do on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. We are indeed. We only have about six minutes, as you know, before this program winds down. Uh, my, how time flies when we are enjoying ourselves, and particularly when we are able to take up uh, very germane and relevant subjects as we have today. Uh, we are so far down the road uh, in this revolution and the deconstruction of Western society that I don't think that people really get it. The subject matter that I, Scott Fleming and Scott Allen, were talking about today, you guys, has everything to do with why we are even asking the question, what is a man and what is a woman? It has everything to do with why it is being enforced as a policy in our schools, our education system, our businesses, etc., that a person who feels like they are something other than what they really are, which is the anatomical and anthropomorphic expression of postmodernism. God made the male and female in the image of God created he him. And, and you'll go, amen, amen. But you'll still wonder whether or not, as Scott had said, science has more authority than scripture. So what I do want to say to you is that we are in danger of having pretended to be real believers. And the word of God is not in us, as Jesus said in John chapter eight. Why do you not understand my speech? It's because my word is not in you. And why do you hate me? It's because the love of God is not in you. That's what he told the rulers who were walking around with phylacteries on their garments, on their forehead, on their anklets appearing as if they really had an allegiance to the word of God and failed to be able to demonstrate that when the pressure was on. I think that's where we are in our churches today. I think that because the churches are so woefully silent on these matters and are not speaking up to the welfare and benefit and the saving of our children who are being brought up under what I shared with you about four years ago, the battle between the science man, the political science man, and the uh, spiritual pious man. There are two kinds of men in the world today, spiritual and pious. You just listened to two of them just a moment ago. And then you have the political science man. Both of them have two different worldviews. One of them trusts in themselves and don't mind playing with the Play-Doh of words, uh, the silly putty of words and, and, and reshaping things externally in his own image, though he could never change the ontological content 
He can make a man look like a woman or a woman look like a man or a boy look like a girl and vice versa. But that's nothing but a lie. And true believers shall not live by lies. You see, the devil was the first misinformationist. And he's been practicing misinformation, disinformation, distortion of the truth from the beginning. And this is how you know the people that are of the truth and are of the lie. So I quoted earlier Isaiah 20 to the law and to the testimony. If we don't speak according to God's word, it's because there's no truth in us. And truth is reality according to God. Not the way we shape it, not the way we form it, but what God says. And if we are not committed to the charisma, to the euangelion, to the expression of truth as Jesus was and the apostles were, you're not going to see this world get better. It's only going to get worse because the power of the postmodernists is already in all of the structures of our society. And if we're not willing to challenge their presuppositions, their worldviews, their arguments, their lies, then they're going to take over and we'll be slaves of a neo-Marxist cultural revolution that I've talked to you about for years now. And people pretend like it doesn't exist. But it does. And it's happening. And when your kids come home and they no longer believe in the word of God, they no longer trust Christ as Savior, but they buy into the worldview of relativism. You have your God, I have my God. You have your truth, I have my truth. I've been talking about this for decades. It will be because we were not vigilant, and consistent on standing on the word of the living God and pushing back our society in relationship to these things. So, yeah, I want you guys to catch up with uh, RockySpringsChurch.org. All the information will be there. Uh, be glad for you to join us in live stream. I'll be doing quite a bit of teaching in session two and then the Q&A. Um, hopefully you guys will have a format by which you can raise questions as well and participate. It'll be Saturday morning at nine o'clock. Now, you folks at Grace, y'all don't wake up that early. I get it. Ooh, and I think it's going to be even earlier because nine o'clock there will probably be like, <laughs> yep, y'all going to miss the whole conference. Y'all going to be asleep here on the West Coast. So you're going to have to catch it recorded in any event. I want to thank you for joining me. Oh, no Friday Bible study this Friday. It's uh, Friday Bible study will be off, but we'll have a great time tomorrow night, Tuesday night. So join me. Until then, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you and your family peace. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.